Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Uh, it's The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Josh Newman, covers the youths for the Salt Lake Tribune, coming up momentarily. We'll get Josh's thoughts on what we learned today from Mark Harlan and what's happened over the past couple of days with the Pac-12. You know, what's, uh, what's forming here in college football is really interesting when you have all these conferences who are either canceling or postponing football, but you have certain conferences that are going to fight on and, and keep plowing the field and seeing how it goes. Uh, it's it's like a totally split union. Yeah, it's kind of a, a wild world. I mean, it, it really has pointed out the wild, wild west nature of, uh, of college football. I mean, what little control the NCAA had over it before – uh, certainly is being highlighted that uh, it's probably not enough now. And, well, depending on where you land, I suppose, on that argument. Uh, let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build uh, the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Writes for the Salt Lake Tribune. He's Josh Newman with us here on The Big Show. Hi, Josh. How are you? Hey, boys. How's it going today? Oh man, it stinks, Josh. No college football up in the fall. I don't know. I don't know how any uh, person in this business, or certainly a college football fan, could be uh, overly thrilled today. Yeah, no, not a good day. Uh, not a good couple of days. Not a good week. Not a good month. Um, and here we are. You know, it's uh, it's sad and uh, borderline pathetic that things have gotten to this point where we could not get, or we have not gotten, COVID nineteen under control, um, not just in sports, but just in general, as a country, as a society. And part of that trickle-down effect is, unfortunately, we will not be playing football on the West Coast, at least not this fall. We will not be playing football. So, Josh, first of all, let me compliment you on your work you've been doing, uh, working your tail off and good stuff all the way around. So just wanted to give you a pat on the back on that (laughs) one. But... How is this going to fall out? How how is this going to shake out? Are we are we really going to have like half the conferences not playing and half the conferences playing, or do you think that there will be uh, an edging in one direction or the other uh, as time goes by? That's a really great question. Uh, I don't think we I don't think we know the uh, the answer to that yet. Uh, I don't think we have all the information yet to really answer that. Um, I think to that, look, as we know, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten will not play this fall. Uh, The SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12, as of right now, on August 12th, they are pushing forward. They are planning to play. I think that really speaks to the fact that there really is nobody in charge at the top. There is no one to unify at least, you know, the Power Five conferences, one voice, uh, one person in charge of everything. Look, you have to remember, uh, people think college athletics, they think the NCAA, and that's fair. But the NCAA really doesn't have a ton of jurisdiction under college football, right? The conferences, uh, you know, the individual conferences run themselves. Uh, the people running the bowl system also have a big say. So there's a lot of voices. And this whole thing really just speaks to the fact that essentially nobody is in charge at the top. Um, if there was something to the effect of, 
you know, a commissioner of college football. Uh, maybe things would have played out a little more rationally, a little more reasonably. Uh, but we have not gotten to the point where there can be one voice kind of leading this whole thing. And that has gotten us to this point. You know, an example of that is that uh, USC's AD, what's his name, Mike Bone, is that what yep. it is? Mm-hmm. He he says there's no way we could have looked at the data and come to a different conclusion. And then what do you have, Bob Bowlesby, the commissioner of the Big 12, saying, well, we're looking at the data and we're coming to a different conclusion. It's uh, it, it's really kind of a I, – I don't know where the truth is on that when people say those kinds of things. Yeah, I am fascinated by that. I've been thinking about that a lot. Honestly, over the last you know eighteen twenty four hours is look the pac twelve has a has a medical advisory board uh, all these conferences right they have medical advisory boards, and I find it fascinating that the pac twelve doctors and the big ten doctors can look at this thing and they say, "Look, you cannot have contact, you cannot play tackle football in this environment, but as you said there's you know the big twelve and the other conferences their doctors are seeing something completely different. I will say that um, I really feel that if these other Power Five conferences, if they ultimately do push forward and they do play this fall, they better better have some doctors out front answering questions from reporters about why they think that it's safe while the Pac-12 and the Big Ten don't. They really need to answer those questions. Josh Newman with us from the Salt Lake Tribune here on 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Josh, these uh, Zoom press conferences with Utah lately have been like drinking out of a fire hose. I mean, it seems like they go on for an hour and a half and so much is covered. But So I, I uh, take this question whichever way you want to go. But what did we learn from Mark Harlan today? Well, let me start off with I, I do think that Mark Harlan, when you look at the rest of the Pac-12, you know, the leadership, the decision makers, I do really genuinely believe that Mark Harlan is more transparent than most of the Pac-12 athletic directors there. Let me start with that. Um, The big news coming out of what Mark Harlan said is uh, the economic impact of this whole thing is catastrophic. Uh, He's projecting a loss between 50 and $60 million on what was a $91 million budget. That is gigantic. there is a real possibility that you know people get laid off uh, inside the athletic department. Maybe they cut the Olympic sports that don't make much revenue. We'll see. Um, beyond that, I mean, you know, some of the stuff he was able to answer, some of the stuff not. Uh, I think a lot of people on that call, myself included, were curious. What does the eligibility situation look like for fall athletes who are affected? Uh, that's going to be more kind of an NCAA decision uh, on what to do with the eligibility. Um, uh, you know, Mark Harlan reiterated that scholarships for those affected, you know, they're safe. You know, they're not going to, you know, take away scholarships and, you know, and tell kids to go home. They're going to continue to take care of their student athletes. Um, so, you know, for everything, even still, for everything that Mark Harlan was able to answer, there are still so many questions about so many different topics, not just football. Uh, you know, I, I have questions about basketball. Uh, I have questions at the Pac-12 level. You know, can they, can they get a basketball season together? Uh, is spring football a feasible option in 2021? If you do play football in spring 21, are you then going to turn right around and start the 21 season on time in September? So, uh, look, this is only day one of the fallout, right? We're, you know, we're 24 hours into this thing. There's going to be fallout, you know, today, tomorrow, uh, weeks, months, and probably, honestly, there's going to be fallout for years 
after the fact when when you're talking about COVID. So, Josh, you, you mentioned that uh, that Harlan said that there was going to be this budget deficit. Uh, how is aside from people losing jobs or maybe sports being cut? Is there any money in reserve? Is there any any way to to, to minimize that those kinds of drastic procedures? Yeah, that's a great question, Gordon. The, uh, the Pac-12 is is putting together some sort of, I would call it a massive loan program. They are going to offer uh, their 12 member schools. I don't have it right in front of me. I believe they're going to offer their member schools something around a maximum of 80 or 83 million dollars per school to to help make ends meet. Right? You're gonna so if. Um, if Utah is looking at a 50 or $60 million shortfall, Utah will have the option to go to the Pac-12 and to ask for up to $80 million to help. Now, um, obviously the Pac-12 is, you know, is doing everything it can with this to help its members who are now looking at dire financial situations. Um, you know, a loan of that magnitude with a small interest rate stretched over a number of years would help not only the athletic departments, but really these institutions at large, it would help them kind of, you know, stay the course and get through the next year, get through the next two years, and you're not going to have to make these these really last-ditch decisions, right? You don't want to cut sports. You don't want to lay anybody off. So um, it's unclear right now if Utah will, will, you know, will take that loan from the Pac-12. But if Utah did take that money, I think that would go a long way to – um, I don't want to say solve these problems, but, um, you know, make things just a, a little easier on everybody. And maybe you could limit your budget uh, in over the next five or six, seven years and, uh, and, and maybe cut some sort of normal spending uh, and save those jobs. Yeah, no, normal things like, look, staying in a, you know, the football team staying in a hotel the night before the game. You know things like that. You can get rid of that. Um, maybe the basketball team takes on more home and home series, where you're not paying uh, instead of paying a team to come into the Huntsman Center for ninety or a hundred thousand dollars for one game. Look, the basketball team just for next season, the basketball team has four hundred and sixty thousand dollars committed in guarantee games. Those are things moving forward that you could really you know, try and do away with to save some money. Josh, uh, a part of this story that you've been following closely, I know, uh, is the, or excuse me, are those contracts and, and who's going to have to pay what? Uh, as we've kind of learned about it, it seems to me that, that these universities are kind of willing to, to operate in good faith. But you talk about those contracts. How do you, how do you see most of those being uh, resolved or do we know? Yeah, I really dove into that once. You know, once the football thing came around, you know, the football team was supposed to play uh, BYU, Montana State, Wyoming. You know, I started looking deep at those contracts and started talking to people. Just like you said, I think, I think if you're smart, right, if you're, if you're the athletic director at Montana State, an FCS program, and if you want to keep a good relationship with a place like Utah, a Power 5 school, that's willing to pay you, you know, $600,000 to show up here, you're not going to sue anybody. You're going to grin and bear it. You're going you're gonna to act in good faith. And Mark Harlan has shown, you know, at least since I've been here, in the eight months I've been here, Mark Harlan has shown that he, he is willing to work in good faith with any number of athletic departments and, um, 
and decision makers. So ultimately, I, I think all these things are going to get rescheduled. I know that uh, the working relationship between the athletic departments at Utah and BYU, they have a strong relationship despite the rivalry. You know, those games in football and basketball, that'll get worked out. And, you know, look, these smaller schools like Montana State and Wyoming, if they're smart, they're not going to sue anybody. They're not going to make any big waves. Or, you know, everybody's adults. Everybody's trying to make a living. Everybody's trying to take care of their athletic department and their student athletes. So if everybody stays calm and has a little patience, uh, I do expect that all of these things, if not all, at least the vast majority of these things to get worked out. Josh, you've seen in other conferences, the Big Ten and and others where certain coaches and athletic directors have acted like they want to go play regardless of what the conference is doing. Any uh, Anybody within the Pac-12 have that kind of impulse, uh, no matter how unrealistic it is? No, it doesn't seem like anybody is really um... – doesn't seem like anybody is really wanting to run away from the Pac-12. I think uh, I do think there is some semblance of unity uh, among the among the 12 schools, among the 12 coaches and programs. And um, and look, even if they did want to go rogue, let's say just I'm making this up. Let's say Oregon wanted to go to the Big 12 for a year to get a season in. There's a lot of stipulations and a lot of contracts. There's um, there's specific language uh, in TV contracts connected to the Pac-12 with Fox and uh, you know the Pac-12 network itself, and nobody's running anywhere. And I don't really see that happening, honestly, anywhere. I know that you're hearing things. We're all hearing things about the Big Ten and you know Nebraska and Ohio State. I don't see anybody going rogue even for a year because there would be a lot of problems with a lot of people for the long term that I don't think anybody really wants to take on right now. Are you surprised Pac-12 coaches have been uh, vocal in the way that some Big Ten coaches have been? It's kind of a related question, I suppose, but we just haven't heard anything from the, the coaches in this league. No, nah, I mean, I don't, I, don't know, I don't know that you have any of those, you know, Big, big, giant names, you know, guys like Ryan Day at Ohio State and Jim Harbaugh at Michigan. I don't know if the Pac-12 has uh, very many outspoken coaches like that. And also, again, I think, um, you know, I, I know that people like to crush Larry Scott for any number of reasons, right? But I, I do think that I do think that most of the Pac-12 coaches at least respect Larry Scott enough to not go rogue and not open their mouths to the point where you are crushing your conference and crushing your commissioner's plan, and that's what the you know that's what the Big Ten coaches that's what the Big Ten coaches did essentially, right? Kevin Warren at the Big Ten is a rookie commissioner. Uh, people think he jumped the gun with all all the decisions that he's made, and you know the guys that are making a ton of money, the guys that have a voice, guys like Harbaugh and Ryan Day and James Franklin at Penn State, they really they kind of took it upon themselves to. Uh, to say how they felt, so you know, I kind of gave a long answer there. But to answer your, you know, to answer your question, I'm not surprised that some of the more reserved voices inside the Pac-12 opted not to do what the Big Ten did. Jake, nobody around here would ever criticize Larry Scott, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, I've been here eight months. Uh, I haven't heard very many positive things about Larry Scott, and uh, yeah, look, there's there there's reasons to be skeptical about the Big 12, uh, not the Big 12, excuse me, the Pac-12, plenty of reasons to be skeptical of Larry Scott. I, I think it was good that 
that the Pac-12 coaches did not kind of, again, go rogue and go off on their own and just kind of give their opinion. I think that was a smart play by them to not do anything. How did, one question I wanted to get back to as far as the scholarships go, Josh. Uh, how does that work? If you're going to – let's say there's a bunch of guys who – would have been seniors this year, but they want to stick around and they're not going to lose their scholarship or their eligibility. How does that work with incoming recruits and how many scholarships will end up being awarded? Yeah, I think now that we've kind of established what the economic impact is going to be, uh, at least in my mind, I think the eligibility stuff, the scholarship stuff, that's really the next big thing, at least in my mind, that has to get ironed out. Look, like you just said, there's you know, there's a bunch of seniors. Utah, I count 17 seniors on Utah's roster. Uh, some of them are, are starters. Uh, Jake Bentley, who, who is the presumed starting quarterback, he's a senior. So how that's going to work between balancing uh, these seniors, uh, the incoming freshmen in 21, uh, what the scholarship, you know, what the allowable scholarship count is, that's going to be, you know, an NCAA matter, and they're going to, you know, they're going to mandate what they're going to do. Uh, but we just don't know yet. That's, you know, as I said, that's really, to me right now, that's still the really, really big, immediate, short-term question, you know, what you do with the scholarships. Josh, we appreciate you jumping on with us, man. Keep up the good work. I appreciate hey, Josh, you guys. Thank you. Josh, I have one more question for you. Yes, sir. You, you spent a lot of time covering uh, various teams back east before you came here. How, how's the uh, how's the situation the circumstances out here different than it was back there, aside from the COVID-19 thing, <laughs> which has been quite the uh, anomaly. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a tough one because you, you got to remember, I showed up here in early December towards the end of the season, didn't have a lot of time with the football team. Uh, then we had spring football. You know, we got three spring practices in. Then it all got canceled. I'm not getting any games to cover this fall. But just, you know, from what I've seen, in terms of the dynamic of the athletic department out here versus, you know, I used to cover Rutgers once upon a time. Uh, I have experience at Seton Hall, uh, some smaller Division One schools in the Northeast. Uh, I think it's pretty mellow out here. Uh, you don't you don't see a lot of, at least from what I've seen, I haven't seen a lot of, you know, big, heavy, money-fueled politicking inside the Utah athletic department. I think there's a lot of good People working there, Mark Harlan included, uh, people in the athletic communications office have been have been very mellow about things. So um, it doesn't feel like the super duper high pressure situation that we all paint Power Five athletics to be. Right? It, you know, we all think, or not everybody, but you know, maybe the common fan kind of views major college football right as win at all costs, and the student athletes aren't really students. I'm not getting that type of vibe in Salt Lake City that it's just win, you know, just win at all costs. It's been uh, it's been a nice change of pace from from my previous work life. I'll say that. You know, Josh, on a personal note, real quick before we let you go, yeah. uh, it, you know, given uh, where you've come from, the deli capital of the world, and seeming <laughs> to be a deli sandwich connoisseur, I was excited <laughs> when you I, I saw your approval for Feldman's, the best sandwich in town. Oh, man. I've only been to Feldman's twice. I wasn't eating out much during the pandemic, but Feldman's is, uh, Feldman's is top quality, um, and I, I, I will be going back once this thing calms down a little bit more. We appreciate you, Josh. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, guys. In fact, uh, Gordon, you and I have had lunch at Feldman's before. We have. It's a, we have. It's a terrific sandwich.
Just terrific. Uh, Gordon, we have uh, a little bit of uh, uh, cracking news. Uh, we have an injury report for tomorrow afternoon's Jazz Spurs game. Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert both out. Conley with right knee soreness, Rudy with lower uh, low back soreness, and Emmanuel Moutier is questionable with left knee soreness. So anybody who's any good has suddenly gotten some sort of convenient injury. Got to be healthy for the playoffs, Gordon. That's a big key. And you can't beat the Spurs because you want to play the Nuggets? Is that what we're saying? Man, it's so convoluted. I don't know if you can pick your opponent at this point, but I'm not sure winning's their highest priority, to your point. Uh, I don't think it's a priority at all. Uh, however, it could uh, get jumbled up, but that that seems like the most likely scenario that the Jazz would – lose to the Spurs and end up playing the Nuggets. But we're not sure about that, and you never know. All right, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up right around the corner, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Some, uh, a couple of uh, related, some new NBA news, Gordon. We mentioned the injury report for the Jazz. Mike Conley, Rudy Gobert, both out for tomorrow. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier is questionable. But uh, this just coming down, uh, Giannis, uh, the Greek freak, is getting a one-game suspension for his headbutt uh, against Mo Wagner. And uh, Gordon, uh, give me. Have you ever headbutted somebody? I never understood that as a as a lashing out tool. No, I've never done that. Seems a little counterproductive. I don't. I Austin, Austin has. Have you headbutted somebody? You, Austin? You, if you get the your forehead in the right spot on their face or forehead, it's actually. Excuse me. Uh, I'm trying not to laugh. It's actually a very useful uh, defense mechanism. Hmm. What was the effect when you did it? Well, that's if you if you get your the part of your forehead in the right spot on their face or forehead, they fill it. You don't really fill it. Okay. Did uh, the other person's head swell up like a golf ball? Uh, I'm not at liberty to say per my attorney. Plead the fifth. But, yeah, I got but you. They they woke up a few days later. You know the NBA <laughs> has that automatic suspension rule for for taking a swing. I. I what do they mention? Do they mention headbutting in the rules? Should, no. should Giannis have gotten a one game suspension? No, I, I don't think so. In fact, I think there needs to be more headbutting in in our in today's game, but no fighting in hockey. Oh man! But yeah, I've never understood the headbutt. Thank you, Austin. Thanks for uh, for laying that out yeah, there. Yeah, don't try it at home, kids. Well, I mean, I always wonder about people that uh, that lose their cool. I mean, the other famous headbutt, right, is uh, Zinedine Zidane. That was the, oh, the yeah. World Cup final. Were they yeah. in extra time in the World Cup yes. final and he lost right his into cool? His, right into the guy's chest. And just headbutted some guy? Now, it came out later that guy said some things that deserved a headbutting to the sternum. But but don't, in the World Cup final. In you, your final game. You put that on hold for a minute, right? You beat him up in the parking lot after the game, right? You don't headbutt <laughs> him during the during I, the game? I mean, Zidane had a 20-plus storied legendary career, and that's all he's remembered for. Right. Yeah, now true. he's the headbutt guy. Now, I'm curious to know, Austin, where did you learn the proper technique? Is this a martial arts move, or where, where did you uh, uh, I'm street taught, you? really. Uh, the... Uh, uh, Tony, my guy in the streets, he told me that the forehead is the most dense bone in the human body, and he's right. Oh, wow. Well, Austin's a barroom brawler, didn't you know that? He doesn't go in for the beer. He goes in to start well, I don't. I'm not, I don't drink. Yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm an, I like to exercise, yes. 
Any place where you can stir up a brawl. Get Austin, that heart rate going. Austin's probably going to be there. How much intimidation do you think the best players in the NBA wield? I mean, you know how people used to almost be, I don't know, I want to say afraid of Jordan, but they acquiesced to him, at least they seem to at times. How much power does Giannis have? How much power does James Harden have? How much power does uh, LeBron have? I'm not talking about outsiders. I'm talking about among players. 63% power. Jake, your answer? Does that does that enter their, their heads at all when they're on the floor competing? I would think the, the player in the NBA with the most power would be Austin Rivers. <laughs> I, I have no idea. I, I'd imagine there's some respect. I mean, uh, what, Damian dropped 61 and uh, yelled uh, some expletives about uh, respecting his name. So, Man, yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. but Dame is something else. That guy is unbelievable. I, I, I'll never forget the first time I heard his name, somebody, or I took real note of it, it was a Weber State fan that sent me a, a, no, a notice and said, pay attention to this guy. He is really, really good. A, a notice? Is that like a telegram? No. Mr. No. Monson, stop. <laughs> Here in Ogden, watch. Stop. stop. Good player, Damian Lillard, stop. Respond yours. Stop. <laughs> I think it rolled up via Pony Express, but I, I, I and I was a collect know, on delivery. I didn't know much about him, but we should have paid a lot more attention to him when he was here. I'm trying to picture like what would I would I picture a notice being? Is that like a, were like they going to sue you? No, that's I, I. I'm picturing like the small town, and there's the the post that they're hammering the notice up on for everybody to like you know like county fair this Friday. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, the, the it cotton was a message. The, it was a freaking <laughs> message. All right, the Cove Crier just went through. Hear ye, hear ye, notice, dime dollar. Well, too many of us around here were paying too much attention to Jimmer Fredette. We should have been watching more of Dame Dalla. Boy, was that a heyday of college basketball around here. Having those two players playing college ball that, here at the same time, that's pretty I, I awesome. I still remember him missing that shot against Montana. He should have made them. But anyway, he what a great player. Uh, they lost to Montana a couple times, right, uh, in the conference tournament. Even even a game in in Ogden, right? They had a home game final against Montana. Couldn't That's get right. past back seasons. And wasn't that Larry Kraskoviak, if I'm not uh, not mistaken? That's right. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Too bad that guy never had a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. But is an example of how we put too much stock in the NCAA tournament. I remember we interviewed a, a certain NBA uh, insider who's still working, by the way, who we don't need to name. Uh, but who who told us pre-draft, because we asked, hey, uh, what do you think about uh, Weber State's own Damian Lillard? Oh, man, just uh, overrated. I can't believe he's never going to be anything and blah, blah, blah. Shouldn't go in the lottery, all this stuff. It couldn't even make the NCAA tournament. Jeez. And look at him now. Should have sent yeah, him a notice. I, yeah, it's, it's, it's remarkable how often that that happens. I remember reading a scouting report on Steve Nash coming out of, where was it, Santa Clara? Mm-hmm. And it was, I mean, this guy was ripping him left and right. And I, th- I just, I don't know. Sometimes even those who are paid money to get those sort of th- evaluations right are totally off base. Oh my gosh. I, I love it that one of the knocks against Luka Doncic before the draft was not athletic enough. Yeah. Are you crazy? How did, 
how did the best in the business miss on that? At least those that could have had the opportunity to get them. It's just, it's just remarkable to me. Well, then that you it's ta- that, that it's that inexact. Well, take into account too that Phoenix hired his Euroleague coach and Sacramento, who also passed on him. Their general manager, Vladi Divox, got the job at least in part because of his familiarity with European basketball. And both those franchises passed on him. That, that's what is amazing to me. There, there's where a meddling owner can really set you back, that Robert Sarver wanted to draft the local guy, and they passed on a generational player, or what appears to be a generational player. Yeah, yeah. It's true. And then, you know, you hire Vladi, somebody with no experience, any wonder that they miss. But, but you know what? If you believe the rumors, that, that uh, wingnut owner wanted Marvin Bagley. Mm. Oh, Videk Ranadive. And then fired the coach for not playing Marvin Bagley. Hmm. I tell yeah, you what. In fact, I just saw a Kings fan the other day bemoaning the fact how much they missed Dave Yeager. Or uh, however Dave you say Yeager, Dave Yeager, yeah, excuse me. Is, uh, Gordon, this is something that, uh, that you talk about all the time. It goes from the top down. Yeah, got to have good ownership. You do, and I think it's the most important thing. But the other stuff's important as well. I, I just want you know, I, I when I think of Damian Lillard, I, I I respect the guy. I don't know everything about his life, but uh, the people I've talked to, especially the coaches who have been involved with, talk to Randy Ray sometimes about uh, Damian Lillard, and he'll he'll uh, let you know that this guy is. A great talent and a hard worker, conscientious uh, man. It would have been special to see him in the Jazz uniform, but uh, not to be because he's loyal and he's going to stay in Portland. And lesson learned: whoever put out that notice years ago to you was really onto something. Was onto something big time. I mean, I really regret that we didn't. We should have been on Damian Lillard every game. Actually, I'm kind of repicturing what I picture when I hear the, the word notice. Now I'm picturing the, the letter that you get in the mail informing you that your water is going to be turned off tomorrow. That's what I always thought. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Eviction notice. You of probably sorts. ought to pay this now if you want to shower tomorrow. Yeah, is it notice what you get served with? That's a subpoena. Okay. Or I guess it could be a notice. I was served with a notice to appear in court. Yeah. You were? Not today. (laughs) Stay tuned. More Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us part of your day. It seems like we've had little nuggets of NBA news today, Gordon. Uh, Here's one for you. The Houston Rockets, uh, Russell Westbrook is not going to play in their final uh, seeding game or whatever we're calling it. Uh, Rockets GM Daryl Morey announced that uh, an MRI revealed Westbrook has a strained quadriceps muscle in his right leg. Uh, again, he's not playing today against the Pacers. He can be out Friday against the Sixers as well. He'll be reevaluated before the playoff tip-off next week, but his status for those games is unclear. So the Rockets may uh, be without Russell Westbrook, at least for part of the playoffs. 
Yeah, I don't know what's the truth and what isn't anymore, and I don't know what the motivation is anymore for whatever teams to either win or lose, uh, or whether it is all about getting guys ready for the playoffs. Obviously, that's when you want everything full go. So it's it's. I think everyone's being pretty careful. I agree, but in this case, Gordon, and, and again, this is this is speculation. But if the if the GM is commenting on it and they actually got an MRI on it, mm-hmm. this might not be just listing you know, uh, toe soreness on the injury report. You know what I mean? (laughs) And for the the Rockets, I'm kind of torn on it a little bit because, one, you'd think that missing one of their best players would really hurt them, which which I guess I still believe. But they've played well without Westbrook at times this year, including against the Jazz, if you remember when Eric Gordon just crunched them when they were without Harden and Westbrook. But the, the, the reason it's it's not good for the Rockets is because by trading Clint Capella, they kind of made, this sounds really weird, I know, but they made Russell Westbrook basically their center offensively, their player that's going to play at the rim. And so with no Russell Westbrook, it's kind of, I don't know. It'll be weird how they structure their offense. Yes. Yeah. And look, I understand, Jake, that getting these guys ready for the playoffs and having them, you would rather have your entire team healthy and ready to go, certainly the most important players, than you would picking whoever you're going to play in the first round. I think that's true universally, isn't it? Yes, and especially this year, it's really impossible to pick who you're playing in the first round. Um, and, and, you know, I know that the Nuggets basically did it last year, and I love it that it blew up in their face. I find that hilarious. But they basically did it last year. I don't, I don't know how well you're going to be able to do that because there's so many factors. Yeah, there's a lot going on right now. It's just in the West. You look at that, and it's – I'll tell you right now, though, f- from one to eight, if Portland gets into that eight spot and goes up against the Lakers, I'm t- I wouldn't lay money on that. I, I mean, uh, you know, would you? Mm, I still think the Lakers are probably the favorite there. But it, it's far from your typical one versus eight. It is. And right now, here's the here's the playoff picture. Portland has um, moved into eighth place there alone. But Memphis, Phoenix, and San Antonio are all half a game back. So how does that work? If a team uh, d- explain how that works as far as the playing game goes. So I. This this is a great question, Gordon, and I have yet to see it, see it be explained. So if eight and nine are within, what was it, Austin? I thought it was like four games. It's like four and a half like. games. Yeah, yeah, right. But I have never seen explained what if multiple teams are in that spot. Oh, jeez. I, I really don't know. I I would assume that they'll just have the eight nine the play, but yeah. but if they're all tied, I don't know. I have no clue. Then I don't you know have where tiebreakers the, in place. But, I want to yeah. see the the play and be the Blazers Suns because the Suns are playing really well too. But I I'm with you. I would bet on Portland being your eighth spot, and they'll but, give a tougher series to the Lakers. Certainly, the Memphis would have, but I think I'd still probably pick the but, Lakers in that. But you bring up a great point. What if eight and nine are tied? And because the way it's set up is that nine has to beat eight twice, right? Or or what if nine and ten are tied? Who actually gets the pleasure of playing? So let's take the first uh, scenario first. If, if, if eight and nine are tied, then would you just play one game and whoever wins gets in as opposed to one team having to win twice and the other having to win once based on some weird tiebreaker? I would guess this has been decided in some way, shape, or form, but I'm just not sure what what it's going to be. Yeah, but I don't know about your second question. I mean, <laughs> what happens then? I don't know. 
Do you go by some tiebreaker that may or may not be? Well, the other tiebreakers have been Western Conference records, as we talked to Locke about after the game the other night, day, whatever time it was. Uh, so that would be my guess. You'd that go seems to... like a tough reason not to make, not to have an opportunity to play off, man. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, they gave him a chance, you know, with the with the playing situation. So I don't know much more what you could have done. That's just a tough way to uh, to not get in or not to be able to play in that game. All right. Well, it's it, the point is that in the West, I. I know a lot of people around here don't want to see the Jazz face the Rockets, and maybe the Jazz don't want to play the Rockets. But they're, they're, as we've talked about in the past, there there is no there is no easy alternative this time around. All right, we've got Chris Mannix coming up right around the corner, so make sure and stay tuned for that. Locke will be at five. Our friend Josh Parcell at five thirty. But joining us now, uh, on behalf of our friends at TridayTrading.com, he is Alema Harrington. What's going on, Alema? What's happening, Jake? You know, I'm still watching some basketball. I love this this whole thing where it feels like it's almost the NCAA tournament. We've got basketball all through the day. That's We've got awesome. playing playing matchup coming up here in a few days and the Jazz with one more game. And, and uh, it, it's a blast. I'm having a great time right now. And, you know, the thing that, that is cool about what's going on right now, sometimes, you know, you, you feel like, I don't know what I'm, I'm going to do. I'm stuck at home. I'm telling you, try this try day trading thing. People come up and ask me all the time, is this real? Are you doing this? And the answer is yes. And I could be doing it right now, sitting here watching the game and then watching the commodities market. Uh, I'm just, and, and, or just see what, what the dollar is doing. You learn all of this stuff. And, and before you know it, um, you're, you're really, you got a feel for what, what day trading is like. And you're starting to make some money. And, and then you can look at, am I going to supplement my income? I'm going to replace my income. But the cool thing about it, Jake, is, is you got options. And so if you're interested, I encourage you to just give it a try. And right now you've got a, a 30-day trial for just 10 bucks, And in those 30 days, you'll have access and to the resources available to you. And you'll be able to understand, you know, maybe this is for me, maybe it's not. And if it is, I'm telling you, it's a lot of fun to get into. I have competitions occasionally with one of my sons who's doing it, you know, challenge hands every now and then to see who can make more money in a two-hour time frame. But it's really cool. And if you've got some interest, I encourage you just to check it out. Go to TridayTrading.com and sign up for the 30-day trial. I want to, can I intervene here? Yes, please. Because What's going on, Gordon? Yes. How you doing, Alema? Uh, hands great. Set- Hans said that you're killing it, making all kinds of money, and he said you're really not all that smart. It, you know what? That's very true. I'm not offended by that because what it does is, is it shows people that you don't have to be like this mathematician to get it. The cool thing about the Tri-Day t- Trading Program is they teach you everything that you need to know and that you have this proprietary software that, that has indicators that will – show you when is a good time to trade and you learn, uh, you know, when to jump in and then when to jump right out. And if you can stay disciplined, see the thing about me and hands, I stay disciplined hands gets a little full of himself and then he goes rogue. And so that's why I'm able to, to beat hands in the day trading, you know, in that arena, because when it comes to, you know, just staying steady, 
you know, I'm able to do it. And Hans is like, he just goes off on his own. Then he gets reminded and he comes back to the pack. <laughs> well, keep it up, Olema. Good luck and uh, <laughs> continuing outdoing Hans. We appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. Trydaytrading.com. Get started at trydaytrading.com. We'll talk to Mannix about uh, the latest with the bubble in the NBA coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone.